just start the show. <laughs> you just gotta pick up wherever. Yep. yep. This is 174. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. Just wing it. It's the best way to go. Our best episodes. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I don't hear. know. That, I don't think that's true at all. But <laughs> uh, this is Podflix. This is episode 174, and I am Paul. I am Nish. And this is Willie. You guys don't sound very confident. Uh, I wasn't no, no, sure who I was. Nish. No, no, yeah. no, he's Nish. I'm sure of that. Okay. Okay, I'm Nish. I got it. There you it. go. Yeah, I got it. it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I was having a bit of an identity crisis there. Sorry, I, I meant to give you your motivation. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, and you, and by the way, your motivation is uh, to explain the plot of this very convoluted movie we're going to talk about tonight, which is No Sudden Move uh, by Steven Soderbergh. We watched this HBO Max. I had a hard time finding this on... <laughs> I was going through all the streaming platforms going like, I know this movie's here somewhere. <laughs> I yes. can't H- find it. HBO you Max. <laughs> for what it's worth, I watched it today. Mm-hmm. It's kind of out of that front page of rotation on HBO Max right now anyways. I don't know if it's not doing well, but like, I feel like week one it was everywhere. And now it's just like, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I have to search by name. And I don't even remember what this thing is called because you guys chose it without me. Well, that was sort of my problem, too, is I had trouble remembering. I was like, I guess I can search for Steven Soderbergh. Like, I don't know what to look for. Um, but I will say, I think HBO Max is like, they have really weird promotion. Like, they're either promoting the hell out of something or n- they're promoting nothing at all. There is no like, hey, what's new this week kind of a thing. It's like, oh, you probably really want to watch, I don't know what, like, and, and, and like the stuff that it has, like, like, so like, I don't think I've watched anything on HBO Max besides like what we have watched for HBO Max, which has mainly been new things, right? It's been like Justice League and In the Heights and, you know, like stuff like that. And like the recommended for me is this weird mix of like new stuff, but then these random shows and movies where it's like, why is this recommended for me? Like, why are you recommending this right now? And like that's where I found no sudden move, but I had to like scroll like twelve things in before I got to it. Yeah, it was it it it's a weird app. Like I, I find it very not browsable. Like I have to like go there with intentionality to to find something to watch. Agreed. Um and, and we did, and we found this and we watched it. Um so this is yet another non theatrical release that we get to watch on streaming, which the industry seems to really hate, and I understand why, but I like it because I get to watch these movies a lot earlier than I otherwise would. Me too. Um, so this movie is... Where, where to begin with this movie? Um, <laughs> this movie is basically a heist movie about the plans. I don't even know if I should spoil what the plans are for well I, I assume we'll get into it right because we usually talk all about the movie yeah eventually eventually um yeah. it's 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 a movie where they try to steal the plans for the first catalytic converter right um and the various hijinks that then ensue or the way they the people get in over their heads then try to get themselves out of it right um and did you just, did you just do my job for me that's awesome I may have unintentionally. <laughs> yes. um, I'm feeling generous tonight. You're in luck. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about in this movie is the first thing that I noticed about this movie, and that's the way it's shot. And the movie is shot with 
a very wide angle lens, which in a widescreen format gives everything a fisheye look. Um, and the way to think about that is imagine, I don't know if hotel rooms still have this, but imagine like the peephole on a hotel room door. Um, imagine watching them, imagine watching a movie through that people. Right. It's not, it's not just like that people or, or it would be like completely unwatchable, but the, like, I would say what, like probably like the 15% of the screen on either side on the left and right, definitely like bends in and kind of does weird things. And, and have you it, guys ever owned a GoPro? Yeah, I I haven't. But it's yeah. like watching a GoPro footage. Yeah, fair enough. This I assume was not shot on a GoPro. Although I would, who knows? I would not be surprised. Yeah. Like the way the edges warp, it looks just like a GoPro. Yeah, I I mean, you said it wasn't unwatchable. There were moments that were close because it was like distractingly weird, where like a, a person would cross frame and they would go from like you know normal person shaped to like, to like weird squish man at yeah. the end. Yeah, and it's like yeah. man. That is really yeah. distracting and weird. Yeah, I, I I will say like for the first ten minutes of the film, I was like unsure as to whether I had it on some odd setting that I wasn't that I like couldn't figure out. And then eventually, I was like, no, like I like why would it be that way? Like I think it's just shot this way. And then after that, I was used to it. Like once I kind of like was like, this is just the way it is. I don't remember noticing it for the entire second half of the movie. I'm sure it was there, obviously. I, but yeah. I think I, I I think my eyes just adjusted to it. For mostly static shots, it was fine. Anytime there was like a tracking shot or the camera was moving, you know, left to right, and you could see things warping through the thing, I, I found it extremely distracting um, and and bothersome. And I, and I did a little research and tried to figure out why this movie looks like this, and um, I couldn't find a definitive answer. I found several specu- speculations um, about what was going on there, and um, like. I don't know. I, I felt like there was a little bit like the reviews that I was reading and, and the write-ups on this movie, I felt like there was a little bit of an effect of like, I don't really understand what's going on here, but Steven Soderbergh made the, made this decision. So it must be great. Right. And, right. I can, I can imagine that. Like I said, it didn't, it didn't distract me that much after the beginning, but I don't see what purpose it served either. <laughs> like, like, I don't see why it would be shot that way. Like it's, it seems unnecessary like yeah. you know and and obviously for you and probably for other people like it was quite distracting so it kind of feels like well why why do this yeah i mean the most plausible theory that i read was it, it was emulating the lenses that would have been used at the time that the movie is set like if they had shot the movie but that feels like a soderbergh kind of thing to do if that's it true does, except movies back then weren't widescreen so they didn't you didn't see the very warped edges on the yeah. left and the right so good point good point um, that makes yeah. it really distracting. Um, but I think the thing that this movie really hinges on, by and large, are the performances. Right. Um, it has quite a cast. Yeah, you want to you want to get into it a little bit? Sure. Uh, in terms of who's in who's in this yeah. movie, so um, so the the main characters in this movie uh, are uh, Don Cheadle is the protagonist. Uh, of the movie um and the other main lead would be um uh benicio del toro um and they're basically the two gangsters who kind of reluctantly partner up and gangsters is maybe a strong term but they're they're both yeah i, I mean i guess that's what they are they're both they're both members of sort of crime syndicates so to speak they're kind of like um they're kind of like um ray Liotta's character who's in this movie uh they're kind of like ray Liotta's character from goodfellas they're like not yeah 
they're 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 on the outside they're on the outskirts of organized crime and and benicio del toro's character at least very much wants in right um but it's kind of being held at arm's length right and and don Cheadle's character has is is recently released from prison and he went to prison for something that happened which basically pissed off both of the major mob factions in detroit which is where this so so this movie takes place in the 50s and it takes place in detroit uh, which kind of is where the car maker or the, the car thing kind of comes into play that you were talking about with the uh, catalytic converter. But anyway, other people who are in this movie, uh, David Harbour uh, plays basically the person who they're trying to get to kind of steal money. He's a, he's basically an executive who works for one of the car companies. Um, uh, who else? John Hamm plays the detective. Um, Kieran Culkin is another member of the uh, is, is kind of another person who they team up with. For the initial, not, not quite a heist, but the, the initial job, so to speak, that they, that the three of them are supposed to do. Ray Liotta, you already mentioned, is one of kind of the heads, kind of, of the crime family. I don't know if you'd say head, but he's kind of one of the one of the people who gets talked about as sort of one of the big wigs. Although when you meet him, he doesn't seem like all that much of a big no, wig. He kind of really. seems like sort of a, you know, dickweed. Um, and, then, uh, and then Bill Duke... Um, who uh, is uh, is the other um, the other uh, crime lord? Which um, do you guys recognize him from? Uh, he's in like Predator and shit like that, if I'm not mistaken. The, yeah, he's, the, he's yeah. trunking down a lot since then. But yeah, yes, yes, he very has. recognizable. He's, from yes, Predator he is, days. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's quite old now. Um, and uh, I think I got everybody except for the bit of stunt casting that comes in towards the end, which I guess we can. Well, we'll talk about it a little. We'll get to that, but we'll, we'll save it the way the movie did uh, for yeah. now. So, by and large, uh, I don't know, Willie. What did you What did you think of the performances in this movie? There was a lot of people, and none of them. I've seen them all in other things, and. I didn't walk away from this movie thinking like, damn, Cheadle was great. Or like, like, yeah, n- none of them. I, w- I didn't walk away from any of them thinking they, they did great work in this movie. Yeah. I the, like nothing was bad. Right. I don't think the plot was bad, but I didn't walk away being like, that was, that was a great performance. There, there was a, I don't know. It, it's, it's a longer conversation as to why, but, um, was that space movie we watched um, with Anna Kendrick? Um, Stowaway. Stowaway. Like, I, was gonna say I space think jam. the performances would have felt differently if the music was oddly uh, was like oddly placed in this movie, and I think maybe the performances would have felt different if if it wasn't such forced noir. The the movie, yeah, I mean. This is going to get away from performances a little bit, but it's kind of touches on what you just said is that this movie reminded me very much in terms of plotting of a Coen brothers movie. Like it felt like, like, like kind of a, it's, it's like a film noir slash heist movie where a lot of shit goes wrong and people have to kind of react off the fly. It's very twisty. Like it, it goes, you know, kind of, you know, there, there's like, when I say crosses and double crosses, I mean, that maybe makes it sound even more twisty than it is. But it's certainly like it gets into a lot of like, you know, weird reasoning as to like what's really going on and layers kind of, you know, sort of 
institutions on top of each other. Like it kind of gets like a little bit into the police force, but much more into like sort of like car makers. And there's like a racial component that comes in towards the end as well. And like all this kind of stuff, but like not like it wasn't Coen brothers from the point of view of like, I don't feel like it had the snappy dialogue that a Coen brothers movie would have, but I felt like what the characters actually did felt like something that would happen in a Coen brothers movie. Like I'm thinking specifically of shit like, um, you know, like, like the scene, like, I think, I, I think like the opening, like not the opening, but like the job they actually do, like, and how that kind of like falls out where, where, you know, they, they end up like having to kill Kieran Culkin. And then it like kind of everything kind of goes like, like they don't kind of don't know what to do. And they end up with like kind of the inside track on getting like the real catalytic converter parts like that all kind of like kind of seems a little bit like Coen Brothers-y and then certainly the scene where David Harbour goes to his boss's house and beats the shit out of him feels like it mm-hmm. a little bit like there, there were like it just felt that way a little bit which speaking you know, of slimmed down by the way oh David Harbour yeah 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 sure absolutely it's funny I was reading an article about that really like today maybe about like how he was like super 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 beefy for uh for Black Widow and then had to like slim down like like crazy for um because they were gonna they they I think filmed already or started filming the well yeah I guess this would have been last year they filmed the next season of Stranger Things which hasn't come out yet and he had to very much slim down for that so I'd like to see that his trainer is a buddy of mine oh interesting yeah so yeah yeah he yeah he was it's a diff yeah it's a different role for David Harbor in terms of stuff he's been playing recently. I didn't recognize him, to yeah. be honest with you. I feel like it's more in line with stuff he's played, like, before he became, like, big. Like, you know, when, I guess, with Stranger Things, more or less, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think, Paul? Yeah. Anybody sorry, stand we, out we, to you? We went, we went all over the place here. So what do you think of the performances like, slash the... Uh, by um, the way, like, we didn't even talk about Benicio Del Toro, but, like, he could have been played by anybody in this movie. Yeah, I, I felt like, I felt like... I don't know. I feel like their Soderbergh has a way of getting certain performances out of actors um, that give the performances in his movies. I don't know how to describe the quality, but there's like a quality to them that feels familiar and and like a little samey. And I feel like that goes for here too, which is fine. Like it's like you know, it felt like a Soderbergh movie in that way, um, which is fine. But I I think I mostly agree with you, Willie. Like there is. There isn't a particular, there isn't anything in particular that stands out to me, and I and I felt like Benicio del Toro in in particular is like he's kind of an I was gonna say kind of an odd dude, but like he he's a very like he has a very particular way of being, and I feel like his his like log line for this movie was to like tamp all that down and take all that out and just act like as non Benicio del Toro as possible. And it's like, all right, then why did you hire him for this movie? Like um, it, it feels like I, I, I agree with you, which is to say like, it could have kind of been anyone like, you know, like the actors. And I feel like this happens. This can, this can happen in Soderbergh movies. Like the actors don't bring a lot of themselves to the movie. Right. Um, which, you know, makes them kind of not very memorable in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. What you were saying, I was trying to think of like, 
Like, I definitely felt like out of the like, like you said, Willie, I don't think it's like his strongest performance ever. But I would say like the person who fares the best in this movie is probably Cheadle. Like, like, like I think he has the most to do um, in terms of, you know, he, he has to play against a couple different people, you know, and, and he's got sort of the big, not the big, but like he, he's a person who's kind of running the show in terms of like the twist sort of at the end, like the part where. I mean, twist is strong, but you know what I mean? Like the part where it's kind of like the whole plan is sort of revealed kind of towards the end of the, the movie. And so I think he does the best. And part of me was thinking that like, well, he's worked with Soderbergh a bunch of times. And then I've kind of forgot that this is actually a traffic reunion for him and Benicio del Toro and Steven Soderbergh. Um, and so it's like, oh, I guess Benicio del Toro was in uh, was in movies with Steven Soderbergh, too. Um, and he was really good in traffic. Right. And he won the Oscar, I think. Um, for traffic but uh but yeah i agree in this like it very much felt like i don't know like like it feels weird to cast benicio del toro if you're not going to want to get a bit of a weird performance like because that's kind of one of his big strong points is that he's got this very off-kilter energy to him yeah off-kilter that's a good way to to describe it yeah 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 you know like like uh like gary Busey. like it's like that kind of like just like you don't quite know what you're getting yeah, and I feel like that role called. I, f- I feel like that role called for like, both like a physically smaller and kind of a more nebbishy kind of person. Um, yeah, that he didn't really seem to fit into. Like it was kind of like a very paranoid character. It was a like a very, like, not needy, but like you know he was kind of he, he had like whiny moments and he and I was like this doesn't really seem to fit. I don't know if he was a a, a younger. Maybe it'd be too weird. This gets back into like Cone Brother territory, but like maybe like a younger Steve Buscemi would have been a person who could have worked there. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, like, like, I mean, cer- certainly the paranoid and like smaller kind of like and, you know, works a little better there. I don't know that he would work very well as like a person who, you know, the boss's wife is having an affair with. But, you know, that's that's kind of the other piece. Yeah, so let, let's let's talk about the 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 plot a little bit, you know, bringing that up because, well, I've I've realized personally, like I have I have this weird, I don't want to call it face blindness because that's not what it is, but I have trouble like recognizing people like out of context. So like I didn't realize that that that's who he was having an affair with, um, like until like way late into the movie, and I was like, oh, that's the same person. I I got it now, um, <laughs> just because like I have trouble. Well, I have to, to be that. fair, there was a lot of names and a lot of faces. A lot of people, yeah. They they expected you to like, without a lot of explanation, kind of understand who these crime bosses were in Detroit and Chicago. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about right now? Yeah, and I think that that gets that, into the thing is like there are. Oh, but by the way, there was also it felt like 42 affairs going on in this movie at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there's a ton of characters, um, some that aren't around for very much. And you're right; like everyone gets a name um, without much explanation. And there's a lot of plot details that are just kind of dropped on you. And like the 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 plot is dense, and and I would say like not in a good way. Like I feel like I feel like there are movies that like reward you for paying attention, and there are movies that reward multiple viewings. And this is a movie that like kind of demands it in such a way that's just like and i and i've seen this in other in other people's articles about this it's just like you can't follow this movie if you've only seen it once and it's like 
that's not really a hallmark i think of, a, of right. necessarily of a great movie yeah. uh, like it can be um but in this case like i just i was just like is this part of like things were happening i was like is this part of the plan i don't even know what the plan is here and then like they reveal it at the end and i was like did was this don Cheadle's plan all along did he just get lucky like is is he still like fast talking his way into this i feel like things were just kind of happening with very little explanation and i didn't know and it didn't let me set my expectations for what was about to happen um which makes it hard to subvert them later and be like oh look 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 what a genius plan this was in the end yeah i i do feel like in general i like when a movie doesn't hold your hand too much with with the plot so i I didn't mind i i followed it for the most part but i didn't i didn't mind that it didn't do a whole lot of explanation but i did feel like it could have used like another scene or something before to like help set up a little better what happens at the end to like to, to make you realize a little more like like the best kinds of those kinds of things are when right before that you know the, the the kind of plan comes together you realize what the plan is like like i think those are sort of the best kind of reveals that you well, kind of like start putting it together maybe you don't have it put together but you you as a viewer are able to at least kind of start realizing what's going on right before it it's actually completely revealed cuz in this like you don't really know and then when it is revealed it's not like anybody sits there and says like this is what my plan was like it's more like all of a sudden something just happens and you're just kind of like Oh, I guess he did this and like, you know, it, it's like, you know, he he they get all the money from the um from the executive and then and then like the um you know, Aldrich Watkins, the 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 head of like I guess the African American mob basically, um kind of comes in with his people and like Don Cheadle had talked to him before, talked to an intermediary in a very quick scene through him and like that's i guess you kind of are supposed to realize it it's like oh well that's what he did he like set this up and told him that he like could basically like give him back his code book that he had and also like give him a shit ton of money basically and like that was how he was going to like get back like his credit with him so that like he wouldn't want to kill him but like none none of that's explained like like in the way i just explained it it's explained in like half a sentence like thrown in here and there right and 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 i think the other thing is like he's not he's not established as a guy who's like four steps ahead he's established as a guy who's like spends most of the movie like a half step ahead of what's going on yeah so so it it doesn't lay any groundwork for you to think like oh he put this plan into motion like was his like you mentioned like you know they they basically you know make a double deal they talk to the executive for a ton of money and then they talk to this like middle manager type dude to try to get more money yeah get more money and then the middle manager dude you know, that's when that's the other mobsters find him and, um, you know, and, and get stuff from him. And, and I was like, was that Don Cheadle's plan all along, like that they would hoping they would meet in the lobby or like, is that like, is that him reacting to, to some a happy coincidence that happened? And, and like to, right now, I'm still not even sure. Yeah, um, that's true. I'm, I'm not sure about that either. Yeah. So in that way, it didn't feel it didn't. It, it never really felt very heisty to me. It felt more like, I don't know what the name for this kind of movie is, but there is this kind of movie where it's like, I have gotten in over my head and I need to make a desperate gambit. I'm, I'm scrambling madly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, that, that is very much the kind of movie this is where it's like everyone is kind of scrambling madly at all times and like just almost, almost like, yeah, like you said, a, like desperate, like just kind of throwing stuff and kind of 
and then other people react to that and they're also desperate and you know almost everybody in the movie with you know the exception i guess of like of um of watkins the the mob boss and the auto exec who as we said in in a is is kind of the the not a cameo but uncredited uh uh turn by matt damon um you know is is you know they're the only ones who kind of seem to be and i guess john ham seem to be in control kind of all the time and sort of know what's going on and i think that's intentional i mean at least on the matt damon and john ham point because i think like they make a fairly heavy-handed point towards the end in, in matt damon's speech about basically you know I, I i read that very much to be like you guys are not in power and you're also african-american and italian and we are wasps and 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 in power but see that that gets into like the the part of this plot like like i'm not gonna be labor a whole bunch of plot points but this gets into a plot point like i don't understand like that the cops are working for i don't know his name so i'll call him matt damon like lowenstein yeah uh, yeah i think i think he goes by mike lowen at the uh by the end but yes right so the cops on the take from him and yet like the cop is at the hotel and like and like could have they they could they could have just come into the conference room and stopped everything right then they didn't have to like matt damon didn't have to go through the theater of being like well you got me here's the money let's have a little conversation okay i'm gonna give me the documents i'm gonna leave now like he's got literal like bodyguards on the take you know right outside the room that he could have called in at any moment and it's like okay why we went through that theater so there we went through that little bit of theater i guess so there could be like another twist reveal at the end um that seems you know that seems like plot contrivance to me i don't know right um and and it, it just felt like it, it and it so it felt like you know t- to bring it all the way back to like this like noir setting it felt like it was trying really hard to do that and like trying to trying to insert as many of these like twists and un- and unexpected like blind corners and things as many stuff as that as it could and be like look look how noir we are in addition to like you mentioned like all the other social commentary stuff um that's also kind of crammed in here like a little bit here and there um it's it's it felt very overstuffed that way yeah there was there was a lot going in um speaking of matt damon um i mean i know it's just twice but like i can't think of like it's not a very common thing is it like for a major a decent part in a movie like it's not a cameo like he's in I mean, it's, I guess he's really just in one scene. I mean, he's in another scene really quickly at the end, but it's a long scene. Like, it's not like he pops it's in. It's the for, longest monologue in the movie. Right, exactly. And it's, and it's a fairly important scene as well. Um, you know, and, and it's like he's uncredited, just like another big movie where he is kind of a major part and is uncredited, which, you know, feels like it's like going to become a Matt Damon thing. Goodwill Hunting? Yes, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Matt Damon uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> you not, like that not, not a star. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, I thought I thought you were I thought you were going to compare that scene to the Glen Gary Glen Ross scene. Um, oh yeah, you mean the Alec Baldwin uh, yeah, opening like, opening scene? We'll bring in a big star to you know give one one big long monologue and then peace out. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean, that's fair. Big no, stars I mean, in this whole movie though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, but but yeah, no, I but he is the biggest. 
of them. Like it was definitely like, oh, Matt Damon's in this. And uh, and I mean, I thought, you know, as as far as like I said, as far as actual characters go, I mean, he didn't have nearly have as much to do because he's only part of the plot in a certain way. Um, but, you know, his monologue was good. I felt like he, he was good in his role. I mean, he, he was the he only was... one who explained anything. So I like that. <laughs> yeah, there, there is that. <laughs> he felt very much like he still had. Uh, have you guys seen um, The Good Shepherd? For a long time. No. Oh, did, we, did we watch that for the show? I don't think we did. I feel like I fell asleep during that one. Yeah, this is that's the directed by Robert De Niro movie about like how the CIA was formed. And yeah, Matt Damon's the main person in it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he looks like he like kept his his like hairdo and his costume from the good shepherd and like just still slipped into it for this part like he looks the exact same with like the wire rim glasses and like hair slicked back and all that kind of stuff but what it, was it threw me with... a bit because i had just seen ford versus ferrari which is like set uh, in the same time frame with Matt Damon. that's right that's right <laughs> what was up with david harbour's marriage and I'm assuming his wife is into the neighbor. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's that was very that clear. was a weird Again, like, thing both, thing that was just like to, minorly thrown in there. I mean, like, I don't know. Was, did, did he know? I couldn't tell if he knew anything no, about her think, and the neighbor. But I don't think what he was knew. that line yeah. where he's like, "Well, what are we going to do now? It's only a Tuesday or something." Oh, I thought I think he was just saying like, "Man, what a fucking like like I." like beat up my boss and lost my job and like lost the like I thought I was going to run away with this girl and now she ran away with like she went back to her like other boyfriend and ran away with him like using the plan that I had come up with and you I know, feel like he was alluding to the fact like they both had planned to do their own thing he was uh, going to like that no, she was in uh, I didn't I didn't read it that way I I just read it as like a like almost like a wah 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 like ending yeah, to I that whole that like too. subplot I, but, I feel but, like that. Sorry, again, those are two. Those are two like interlocking, overlapping love triangles that were like didn't really need to be pointless. there. I yeah. mean, like especially like his relationship with the secretary. Like it seemed like, oh, that's going to that's like why they target him, right? Because he has access to to the safe through the secretary. And I was like, okay, that seems fine. And the, but then like she becomes like a major part. Like well, well, it turns out like they already had a like she and him already had a plan for that document. Like they were like irrespective of the mob at all. Like they were right. gonna sell it to like the Naismith guy to begin with. And then like like yeah, which, it, it was which is weird how he like, knew which is how he knew to hire people to steal it. But it's like I, I didn't need that part wrapped up in a bow either. And it was like this it was like a whole yeah, it was like a whole side plot that like I didn't care about at all. He also uh, like he he played that in a very weird way. Like his character, I thought was maybe the weirdest. Like the way that like Benicio del Toro like needed to be more weird. Like I felt like David Harbor like could have tamped down the like like that like the last scene especially I think that you see of him not not before he comes home. Like the scene where he and the secretary are like in the motel and he's like explaining to her and he's got this weird stammering way of talking and it like takes forever to get to the point of what he's saying. Like, he's like, I was having like, so pretend it's two days ago. And he's like having this whole, and it's just like, like, why, why is your character this way? This is weird. Like, like, like it felt like it was like, it felt like a similar thing maybe to kind of to what you were saying before, Paul, where it was like, it felt like he was trying to play that character a, a certain way, but like, that's not what I would expect like David Harbour to be playing and it doesn't really work with him doing that. Yeah. And the thing that was weird about that is like, we have already seen 
we've already seen a scene of that character under extreme pressure behaving very calmly and rationally, which is like when basically like one of the mobs, one of the guys gets shot in his, in his house. And, um, you know, the, the other Benicio del Toro and, and, um, Don Chile are going to escape. And they say like, he was an intruder and you shot him. Like we're out of here. Um, and he gives like an overly calm explanation of what happened to John Hamm when he comes to investigate, which is what sets him off, um, on the, well, I guess isn't what sets him off. He was set off anyway, because whatever. Because he was on the take the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so like, but yeah, but regardless, David Harbour's character is under immense pressure that moment to like pull this off and he, and he does it admirably. And then later he's like in a scene with like his girlfriend who he's like ready to run away with. And like, he's a blubbery mess who like can't get a sentence out. And it's like, this feels incongruous to me. I don't know. Right. And also just kind of felt like a scene where it was like, I don't know. I, I just felt like as much as I love David Harbour, I just felt like it's like after we like get the plans, like after the scene where he like goes and beats up his boss and gets the actual plans and gives them to Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro. I didn't feel like we needed to see him or no, the family. He either again. needed to get shot in the head or moved on. Right. Right. Like I, I, I felt like it's like, well, we're done with this part of the story now. Like, why do we keep going? Like, we didn't keep going back, but we definitely went back a couple times, like to the motel and then to the house where the family was staying. And it was just like, I didn't like, I didn't need their story wrapped up at all. Like, it, it, yeah, I totally. didn't need to see them. Like, we could have just moved on. Yeah. Like, like, like you said. Yeah. And, and, and it's the same thing. Like, I, I, I don't know what the point of the, like, of, of the wife and the, and the other wife talking about like running away together. Like, nothing ever comes of that. I don't know why it was there. Um, it was just, it was just weird. Yeah, it was, yeah, very, very weird. And like, you know, it's like when you put shit in like that, you kind of are expecting it to pay off in some way, somewhere. And, you know. Especially it, for a movie like this, it tries to pay off everything. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um what what else is there? What else is there to talk about in this movie? Do we want to talk about any of the any of the the social you know anti capitalist you know racist things are going on in this movie? They, they to me like they it felt I don't know back like kind of backgrounded or like I don't know if or like they were trying to like squeeze a lot of this commentary in there, um, you know, which is which is fine, but like again kind of this is to go back to the other thing it's like kind of for no payoff um i i guess it's window dressing i don't really know right i mean like like i took in the end like the 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 part of matt damon's speech where he kind of says like something to the degree of like you know like you you think like even right now when you're getting all this money from me and you think you're coming out on top like you're playing by my rules by the rules that me and those like me have made like like kind of like you're playing in our world right now and i was okay with that as a setup for what happens at the end which is basically that he gets all his money back because he basically owns the cops and you know it, it kind of like underscores the point a little bit like it's like you think you're stealing from me right now but you're not leaving aside the fact like you said that it might have been completely you know unnecessary for even that to happen um, but like, I was okay with that, but like other, otherwise, you know, I mean, I, I am fine with 
like small nods to like racism because I'm sure there was lots of racism in in the 1950s, like kind of no matter where you were. So I'm okay with that. But like, you know, otherwise eh, it didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel like, I I don't feel like it necessarily belabored stuff other than that. And I'm fine with that because I definitely didn't think that it really fit in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't, Hang, hang too much of a lantern on that right stuff. exactly yeah. yeah and i guess yeah and, and and i guess in in retrospect yeah i'd agree with you that they don't just ignore stuff for the sake of ignoring it but it it was an overstuffed movie <laughs> yes yeah it, it was an overstuffed movie and and like there's you know it, just even thinking about like like the other thing i was thinking about just now was like the character of um, Vanessa, uh, Ray Liotta's wife and, and the woman that, uh, uh, Benicio del Toro is having an affair with and wants to kind of run away with, um, like even her, like she is kind of important, you know, in terms of what happens at the end. And it's like, I didn't necessarily feel like I understood her character. Like, like she, you know, she kills Benicio del Toro at the end, like kind of double crosses him and kills him and then tries to run away with the money herself. And ends up getting pulled over by the police. The police take the money and send her on her way and then give the money back to Matt Damon. Um, And I didn't really like it wasn't shocking or anything like that, but it was kind of like, why is she kill it? Like, like I didn't like I didn't feel like they had like shown her to be like so venal that she would do that. Uh, Like, like kill him up to that point. Like it like it at at least not like right then and there. Like I, I could have seen maybe like they go out somewhere, try to like make a life for themselves with all the money. And then like, she kind of realizes living with them that she's like, I don't actually like you all that much. Like, like that I could understand, but like this felt like very sudden. And it's like, I, you know, yeah. like she, she kills Ray Liotta before, but she had been, she had the shit beaten out of her by him. Like that makes a little more sense to me. Like that doesn't feel like, Oh, she's like conniving. That felt like, Oh, like she fucking hates him. Cause he beat her up. Right, that part totally makes sense, but yeah. I, but when he, when she shoots Benicio del Toro, I kind of like I kind of like expect the camera to like pan back, and then there's like Steven Soderbergh sitting in a director's chair, and he kind of just turns to the camera, like didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like was it, I guess that was the point of that, right? To right. surprise us, right? Um, yeah. After they after they get the money and and they go to the hotel room, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. Like, you know, go to the hotel room, like. And don't just like run out into the street or whatever. And then they're like, "All right, go get the car." And I was like, "No, don't go get the car. Like, stay in the hotel room probably for a couple of days, right? And like, let everyone freak out. And you're just well, you're just laying low. But, um, yeah, yeah, they run off and and it goes it goes pretty badly for everybody. But I, yeah, I don't know why. Like, I don't even know how they knew to look for her in her car. I mean, I guess did. The guy was following her, right? Like, like, like there, there was the guy in the, there was the guy in the lobby, and like when oh, she, right, right, yeah. right, yeah, and and when he goes out the front door after she's pulled the car around, he writes down her license plate. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and then, um, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to mention. The, the last thing I want to mention that made me feel a little weird was the little coda at the end with the like the explanation of the catalytic converter and yeah, it was weird right it was kind of like like it was this whole story and it was just like oh yeah like 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 it was like you usually only see that with like true stories 
That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, yeah. It made it feel like this was, and this was all a true story. Right. All like, of this actually happened. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way I'm like, yeah. that, that any of this happened. Um, right. Which, it's which, like, like, there was a catalytic converter. We all know that, but that's, yeah. Right. There wasn't like a mass killing spree over the plans over like a two day period or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Just out of curiosity, do you guys know what a catalytic converter is or does? Not nah. really. I mean, I drive an electric car. <laughs> You've driven an electric car for like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it converts the catalyst, right? Does it yeah. turn your turn your um, gasoline into um, into power? No, no it, it, it turns it turns like the it takes the exhaust it, and there's there's like a material in it so the the it, it, it makes it like less it. polluted right like it it reduces yeah. the pollution it it basically right it basically like forces a chemical reaction that like turns I don't know exactly but it it, it reduces the amount of pollutants they're out of there. not cheap I've I've blown one before and it was expensive to get it fixed yeah they are expensive and apparently worth killing over apparently. <laughs> 375 grand in 1954. That's it's like a lot 10 of million bucks today, right? Um, I will bet you that it is uh, I want to go with I'm going to go with 6 million dollars. Wait, what 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 was the amount? I can find this out. 300 Oh, that was the other thing. How did the 375 become the 406? Where did the other was, money come was, from? It was it was her 31,000 that she had. When when they get back to the hotel room, and he, he's like, and he puts out all the money on the thing. And she's like, how did you do this? And she's like, I have like, so I have 31. So like, she why says something she even, like that. If she knew she was going to kill him, why even bring it up? I don't know. Again. Yeah. I don't know either. Yeah. 3.6 million. Yeah. Right, that, was, that was close. Uh, I was way over. Did it say what year it was? 1954. Oh, is that what year it was? Yeah. I knew it was the 50s. Um, anything else to say before we slap a grade on this bad boy? No, the things I want to say is, is while I'm grading. All right. Well, why don't you start grading then? I did not enjoy this movie. Um, I could have enjoyed this movie. I fuck. He did fucking oceans 11. And I think that there are like, you know, a lot of good movies, movies. (laughs) you know, there's the, caper movies that are like the capers gone wrong or the capers that are like so incredibly well executed and you didn't see the twist coming this was to me just a caper gone complicated for no reason that's it like that's it this was like a one and a half out of five all right i like Cheadle. sure that's about it I like all, right. all the, I liked all the actors. I'm like, oh look, there's that guy. But nah, nothing really landed for me. I had a and I no no other screens going at the same time. And I was like, this is just so complicated for no reason. Yeah. Uh, what what about you, Nish? What do you think? I I found myself reasonably entertained while I was watching it, so I have to give it some points for that. But upon reflection, it doesn't really hold up. Kind of, you know, for all the reasons that we've talked about, right? Like, and even watching it, I was like, this is entertaining, but it's not like a movie I'm going to remember all that much even, you know, it's not a movie I'm going to be thinking back on the plot or the, or the performances or anything like that. I mean, Soderbergh has done a bunch of heist movies, like, like, I mean, the Oceans movies, obviously, but like, 
also out of sight if you want to consider that a heist totally. movie, right? And like, by the way, but, Nish, but, but, the same feeling. I thought immediately while watching this. While I'm watching this, I was thinking, I'm never going to remember anything about this movie. Right after, like, you know, like two weeks after you watch this movie, it's like out gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll just remember it's like there was some Don Cheadle movie. You're I gonna think. say, "Oh, yeah. we watched that for Podflix," and I'll be like, "I don't remember it at all." <laughs> well, that happens with everything I say for, for what we watch. But, uh, but no, I mean, like even those heist movies that he was good at, they they have a different feel to them, right? Like they're smooth and cool, which this movie yeah. very much is not. Like intentionally so, but I don't think it's like in his wheelhouse. And and I don't, I mean, he may not have. I don't, I don't know who actually wrote the screenplay, but it just doesn't feel. I looked it, it up. It, yeah, the, the guy Solomon. that wrote the screenplay also did Bill and all the Bill and Ted stuff. Yeah, you're right. And Men in Black. Yeah. And now you see me. What a weird combo. Okay. Um. Anyway, like I, you know, I, I, I liked it enough. I think I liked it while I was watching it, probably more than you guys did. Which is not to like I was like, oh, this is okay. And then it's more like thinking back on it, it's kind of like, nah, it really wasn't as it really wasn't that okay. Um. The other thing, by the way, we didn't talk about before I give a grade is um, what a just completely unmemorable name. No sudden move. Like, what does that have, what does that have to I do with to... anything? And like, how yeah. is that? That's like that is the name of like a generic 80s action movie. Right. Like, like Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme. Should yeah. In no sudden move. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I looked at the Wikipedia page a little while ago and for the you know, when it was in production, it was originally titled. Kill Switch, another title that makes no sense and is really generic, <laughs> has nothing to do. Like I, I guess unless the catalytic converter has a kill switch of some kind. I, nope, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think so. They should have called this movie the Cadillac Convertible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love that little bit of misunderstanding. Yes, that. that that was that was kind of awesome. I did like that. Um, I think in the end I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a two, two two out of five. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, this movie is, you know, not the Ocean's Eleven Soderbergh. Um, this movie is more like the Solaris Soderbergh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it had like that, it had a similar kind of like feel for me. Um, but it also, yeah, I agree with Willie. The plot was too complicated for no good reason. Um, and when you have a complicated plot, and, and I know it bothered me more than you guys. You have a complicated plot with such a distracting visual style. Um, like it makes, it just made things like extra difficult um, to understand what's going on. And um, yeah, I don't remember, like I, I will, in, in two weeks from now, I will not remember much about this movie except probably for the fisheye lens. And um, yeah. You don't, you don't want that to be the most memorable part of your movie. It's going to be. <laughs> yeah. the, it'll be the thing I take away from this. It's like, oh. <laughs> that, that movie that would have had the fisheye lens the whole time. Shot on a GoPro. Know, <laughs> yeah, he does. He's got movies where like he's like, I want to shoot in this film style. He does. He does. Let's he definitely just does make that a fucking thing. movie that way. Yeah. This one didn't land. Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, I, I, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm, I, I am right there with you guys. Um, it, um, you know, I'll put an, I'll, I'll go with Willie and put a one and a half on this movie. Like I would probably be able to follow it a lot better if I watched it again. I can't fathom sitting through this movie again. <laughs> and <watching laughs> it again. I really don't want to. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's worth watching again. The thing is like, 
so two things. Um, one, what I was going to say is like, I actually think when I think back on the movie, I think it actually goes not bad for the first like half hour or so. Like up through the part where Kieran Culkin gets killed, I was like kind of like, I'm liking this so far. It's kind mm-hmm. of after that that everything just kind of starts going in really weird like directions in terms of like the acting and the plot like start getting really odd at that point. But through that point, like that first half hour or so or however long it was to get to that point, it's like I'm digging this and reminding me of that. I can't believe we went all the way through the entire review. Even when I named all the people, I didn't mention Brendan Fraser. We didn't mention oh, Brendan yeah. Fraser at all. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And I like Brendan Fraser. I liked Brendan Fraser in this movie. I will say just because I like Brendan Fraser. Like, I feel like when I see him in something, it's like, especially nowadays, because he like hasn't been in shit for long and he looks completely different. And it's just kind of nice seeing him. Kind of. It's like, ah, oh, Brendan Fraser. And I like seeing him play against type in this movie. Like- yes, that too. You know what it, I did like about this movie? Play against type that worked. Yeah, I like the I like their bank robber masks. Yes, I I did like that too. They were hilarious. <laughs> just like fucking <laughs> like fucking like brown, felt or like Zorro or like, or like socks socks or something. I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you buy those. Um. All right. Well, uh, that's the end of that movie. Thanks so much. Um. <laughs> great chat i did want to (laughs) before we go i wanted to briefly mention another movie that i saw this past week um a movie that i had never seen and that some may consider a classic uh and that movie is the mighty ducks Uh, oh it is a classic (laughs) um, a movie that we showed to my daughter who loved it beyond belief um what's uh, the move the triple indie no, the the uh, triple deke, the triple deke, yeah, the triple Lindy. The Lindy That's from uh, Back to School. Yeah, no, I was thinking about the Flying Wing or whatever. That's from Mighty uh, Ducks too, right? V, yeah. No, yeah, the Flying V. Yeah, um, I had never seen this movie until last week, and the thing that amazed me about the movie was like, well, yeah, it's super low budget, whatever. That's fine, um, but it's pretty. It's it's much worse than I would have expected for for a movie that spawned like so many sequels and now it has like a do we have a name by the way for these when 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 a franchise is long considered dead and then gets a sequel you know thirty years later because um, the Mighty Ducks is now has a continuation it, as a TV show is it is it a sequel or a reboot like what is no, what is the deal no, with it it's a, it's a sequel it's got Emilio Estevez playing the same character. Um, you know, Gordon, Gordon Bombay, yeah, <laughs> Gordon Bombay. Yep, what coming back. what a crazy name! <laughs> Not only did this movie spawn a million sequels, like they named an NHL hockey team. Yes, I mean, that yes. that is the craziest thing about it. it. Yeah, it's if anyway. I, so, I was, I was surprised, I was really surprised how bad, the, how bad this movie was. Um, and I had, I had trouble sitting through it. And, <laughs> And I guess, like, if you have the nostalgia of childhood, you can enjoy it. I think I, I had the same, I'll be honest, I had the same problem with The Goonies. I never saw The Goonies when I was a kid, and I fucking hate that movie. Well, I showed The Goonies to my kids this week, too, Paul. And what did they think? They did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with your kids. I was, I was disappointed they did not like it. Are there, for you guys, are there any, like, big kids seminal like you know movies that people watch when they're kids that you guys missed um and, and then watched later i'm trying to think of a movie like that where i did that and like and, and enjoyed it and liked it and i was like oh yeah i I'm, I'm on board with this i don't think i've ever seen stand by me oh oh interesting yeah yeah i've seen stand by me 
Um, I did see that when, what I was, you, when I was younger. What do you think, Paul? You think Stand By Me would hold up if Willie were to watch it for some reason now? Mm, I'm going to go with no. I think parts of it would. I like think it's, parts it's, of it it's, would. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little deeper. Like, like there's definitely, like, it's not, it's not solely a kid's movie, put it that way. Like, like, I think there are, there are scenes that have a little more emotional depth to them than your average kid's movie. I'm sure there's a lot of, like, these, I I know I did not see a lot of those, like, Molly Ringwald, Brad Pack types of movies. Yeah, I haven't seen, uh. I mean, I still haven't seen those. The Breakfast Club and stuff, I haven't. I haven't seen 16 Candles. I don't know if that's supposed to be a. I've seen Pretty in Pink, but I haven't seen 16 Candles. I haven't seen any of those movies. We are should all, watch one. Are, are they all in the same cinematic universe? Well, some of them are uh, John John Hughes, so they all take place in Illinois somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've, I've yet to watch one of these movies that people love from their childhood as an adult and like it. Home Alone stands up. Home Alone does My stand kids up. Love Home Alone. I mean, I mean, you know, Home Alone is what it is, obviously, but like. It it is no, it was no worse than I remembered it being. Like put it put it that way. <laughs> like like well, I felt. Here's like, a here's another interesting one, which I'm sure none of the three of us have seen. But like, I've never seen any of the classic horror movies: Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Poltergeist. Oh, I haven't either. Saw, actually, I I haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth. I haven't either. But didn't we watch Halloween for we did. the show? We did yeah. watch Halloween for the show, which was like the good one of those three. Yeah. And we liked it, I think, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, it was good. But that's not really a horror movie, right? That's more of a thriller than yeah. anything. Like the, the horror actually... part, the horror part really only comes at the end, and it's more of the sequels, I think, that are straight horror. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because because most no. of the movie is like just him showing up and <laughs> just just watching her from like the hedge or like from outside her window, and right. like and it's more the music, right? Like it's like the that that is the scariest part of like the first three quarters of that movie yeah for sure and the opening um, scene is cool um friday the 13th is that the is that Stokes. the jason movies with the yeah. with the camps yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. the ori- you know the original friday the 13th was filmed very close to where we grew up oh it was no yeah. i didn't know that yeah it was the only thing i know about the new jersey the only thing i know about the friday the 13th Stokes state forest i don't think it was right? stokes no it was uh was, it, Al, was it yeah it was alamucci maybe yeah yeah I, 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 I yeah all i know is i played the really bad uh, nes game it was bad of, of friday the 13th yeah oh bad. what a bad game that's like an all also like a three or four year stretch where everybody wanted to be freddy krueger for halloween yeah i mean it was it was an easy costume you know you just yeah. Get, get the back. mask and the glove, and you're good to go. And a striped sweater, if you really want it. Striped sweater and a hat. And a hat. Yeah. Yep. That's he goes into like people's dreams, right? Yes. That's that. That's that. Which I know from The Simpsons. I think <laughs> right. Exactly. I that story yeah. is there. Yeah. Um. No. I. Yeah. I haven't seen most of those either. I don't think I've seen. I definitely have not seen all, but maybe I saw Alien. Yeah, those I've well, I've seen Alien and Aliens. I don't think I've seen Alien Three or oh. Alien Resurrection. So I've, I've I've seen the ones that that matter, the ones that I you want to see. I saw Alien Three. Are are those? I I mean, I guess those are horror movies. Are they? I mean, first one is. I I would say Alien is pretty. Horror. I mean, Aliens is more. Aliens is more action. Than, yeah, yeah, than anything. Yeah, Aliens is less horror. 
and I can't speak to the other ones, like I said. But Alien. kids' movies, nah. You know, not kids' kids' movies, but I'm surprised. You know, I work with a lot of younger people. I keep asking kids in their 20s, have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is routinely graded with, I've never heard of it. Which is crazy, right? To have never heard of it? Like, no, I, I, I don't, at, at I this don't think point, it's that crazy. At, it seems, still seems a little crazy to me. At this point, I can imagine not having seen it because I've gone through enough of that, of realizing that people haven't watched all these movies I'm, that I expect them to have watched. I mean, if I think of movies that like live on in the zeitgeist, like I think of... Uh, from back then, I mean, it's things like Ghostbusters and stuff. It's not Ferris Bueller's sure. Day Off. Oh, I think Ferris Bueller's is one of the best. Yeah, I never really, I, I never really loved it that much, to be honest. Yeah, there, there are parts I like a lot. Of Ferris I was looking, Bueller. I was looking for funny like family movies recently. Then we ended up on Goonies, but I, I watched the preview to um, a couple John Candy movies. We watched the preview to The Great Outdoors, and I'm like. I can't. Yeah. I just I, this looks so bad. Yeah, yeah. We thought about showing our Uncle. kid Honey, I Shrunk the Kids recently. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not a bad one. Do you try Splash? Speaking of John Candy movies, I mean, not that that's a John Candy movie, but he's in it. Did not, but we could try it. Yeah. Got Eugene um, Levy in it. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Speaking of previews, I know follow up from a previous episode. I've started doing what you guys do, which is like watch previews of stuff. Hey, hey look at that. Club. Yeah, I don't think I really <laughs> what, like it. What we do. <laughs> Just the two of us. Right. Um, nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Like like the, to watch the preview and then be like, should I watch this? And I'll watch the preview. Like I, I did it for this movie, actually, for No Sudden Move. Um, yeah. Watch the preview. And, and what, like, what yeah. did you feel from the preview? I didn't watch the preview of it, so. Um, I felt like uh, I guess I have to watch this. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but by and large, that was born out. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. I, th- I think I want to stop doing that, though. I don't think I get. I don't think I'll I get much out of it. Do the preview for this movie in a world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll. I'll just. I'm. I'm happier going in blind where where possible. Well, you're also used to going in blind too, so I feel like that would be a very jarring change. I think to have gone through this much of your life. And, and watch it, movie watching life, not having watched the previews, and then being like, "Well, no, I'm going to well, do it." It's it's not that I don't watch previews. I mean, I do, um, but I but the thing that struck me that you guys do is like watch to to decide if I should watch the movie. Like, I will I will watch previews. Like, I will sit down and have like a I I will still hit the trailers app on the Apple TV. Well, sure, yeah, yeah, no, no, I I do that too. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's fair. I only do the thing for if it's like something I've completely never heard of. Like if it's a thing where it's just like, I don't know what this is. It's recommending it to me. It has someone in it that like I like and the plot sounds interesting. Let me let, like let me look at the trailer to see if like it nope, seems I'll com- watch a trailer like, before every movie I watch. The, pro- the problem that I have with the trailers is like the the person who makes like the quality of the trailer can very often have nothing to do with the quality of the movie. And it's like totally. so I feel like it's not a necessarily a good barometer for if I'm going to like this movie or not. I'm in a trailer. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Nobody cares, Willie. Nobody cares. I care. See, I'm not even asking about it. It's that much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what else you got on your docket there, Paul? Uh, nothing. I got, uh, but what about you, Nish? You got any email for us? Let me check the old mailbag. <laughs> Did you ever find the password for that account? 
yeah, remember I reset it and it turned out to be the same thing with the same password. <laughs> I feel like they shouldn't let you do that. They shouldn't let you reset the password back to the same password. Yeah. No, it didn't let me reset it back no, to it the did. same password. It it just told me that I was already using this password, whereupon Easy I just enough. whereupon I just I'm, X'd out of it and I was like, all right, like now I know what the, the password, password is. Not gonna reset it. <laughs> Uh, no, we have no email, but if someone wanted to send us email, they could do so at talk to podflix at gmail.com. All right. Uh, they could also tweet at us if they wanted to. They haven't, but if they wanted to, they could tweet at us at ask podflix for anyone who still uses Twitter, which I think is probably just me. You're the only person. I mean, generally, (laughs) you're the only person who uses Twitter. I wish that were the case. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's it. We are we are done. Although we did no, it, guys. No. We did it. We no sudden moved. <laughs> oh boy! Thank you. Is <laughs> <laughs> a stupid title for a movie. It's, it's a, a really, really bad dumb title. title. <laughs> it's so bad. I couldn't. I couldn't. Search I thought for it was shit. bad. I thought it was bad going into it, where I was like, "This is a dumb title." And then after watching the movie, it's like, "Man, it's so much dumber than I thought it was." <laughs> I kept waiting for like an explanation like it was for most of the movie about anything. But I was like, maybe the title will make sense later. Right. Nope. Like, like I wouldn't expect someone to say no sudden move because that would be really cheesy. But like it bears oh. no it bears no like like three quarters of the way through the movie. I was like, well, they're probably just going to say these words at some point during the movie at this point. Yeah. Like when you get that but, laid into it, it's like, all right, <laughs> it's supposed to be. Nope. You're right. It does sound like a Steven Seagal movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like this. I, I, at first, I thought the title made sense because when I thought it was going to be like a kidnapping hostage movie. Sure. Right. And then it stopped being that. And I was like, okay, this is not really what this movie is. Right. 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 Like it called, they called it like a, in reviews or whatever and like, you know, little blurbs about it. It's like heist movie. And it's like, not really. Like, not this really a heist is, movie. <laughs> this movie is not a heist movie. No, it's it's a film noir kind of, you know, what what we said, like where it's like just shit goes wrong and people have to react to it kind of like over and over again. Yeah. 